Today we're telling the story of a female soldier named Deborah. You should know the story of the female judge and soldier from the Old Testament named Deborah. Today we're talking about a girl named after her who was an American soldier in the War of Independence. Welcome back to Church History. My name is Loralee Siemens, and I'm your host. If you're joining us for the first time, in this podcast, we tell the story of the church from the time of Jesus Christ all the way until today. In today's episode, we're finishing up our series in the War of Independence. It may seem strange to have a series on the War of Independence in a church history podcast, but you can't study the history of the church without studying the founding of America. America was officially founded July 4th, 1776. The church was at that point around 1,741 years old. Yet today, the church is seen as an American religion. America and Christianity are so entwined that it's hard to imagine them being separated. In 2010, 127 missionaries left America to spread the message of the church around the world. From the very start of America was the church. We've talked about Haim Solomon, the Jewish man who funded the War of Independence. We talked about the Adams family who were Christians and debated amongst themselves if Jesus was God and debated the Trinity. They were also strong abolitionists. We've told the story of slaves living in America during the war, and today we're telling the story of a woman. We've seen this founding of America as a turning point in the relationship between the church and the Jewish people. We've seen the sin of slavery not being dealt with at the very founding of America, and the drive of a man sold into slavery to find a way to succeed in this new country. We've asked the question if the founding father and son duel of the Adams were Christians. And today, we're looking at the story I find really fascinating, a woman soldier named Deborah. We talked in past episodes about the Puritans who had arrived in 1620 in the Americas. Their goal was to create a new land where they could worship God in freedom from the crown. In 1760, 140 years later, descendants of the Puritans who had landed that day gave birth to a baby girl. But this young family, the Sampsons, had nothing in common with the Puritans that had arrived. I'm reminded of the verses that teach us to tell the next generation the works of the Lord. When we don't tell the next generation, they will walk away. This baby girl was born during the Great Awakening while revival was spreading and people were turning their hearts back to God. But this family was not one of those families. They lived their lives looking out for themselves, doing what made them happy. So this little girl was named Deborah. She was given a biblical name and one she would live up to. When Deborah Sampson was just five years old, her father went on a fishing trip and never returned. People from the town all helped search for him, but he had vanished. It became clear to everyone he must have drowned. It was years later that it was discovered he had a separate family in Maine and had abandoned all six of his children and his wife to go and be with his other family. Deborah's mother was overwhelmed with the grief over what she thought was the death of her husband and decided she could not take care of her children, so she sent her children away. 
One day, Deborah was taken to a home, introduced to a lady named Mary Prince Thatcher. Imagine you're a little five-year-old girl. Your father has died, or at least that is what you think happened. Your mother has taken you to home of an elderly woman, and now she's saying goodbye to you. You're confused as to what is happening. When will your mother come back to you, and who is this older woman? You suddenly have a new home, a new bed. Instead of your six siblings, you're alone now. No other children, just you in this strange home with one elderly lady. Mary Prince Thatcher was a widow. Her husband had been a pastor, and she loved Jesus. While little Deborah was confused and heartbroken by the abandonment of her family, she soon learned to love Mary Thatcher. Mary taught her about God and gave her a love for Jesus. It was during this time that Deborah learned the true meaning of her name and the warrior in the Bible that shared her name. Mary also taught her to read and write and to do math. Education during this time period was not considered essential for girls, but Mary believed that girls could learn and should learn just like boys, and Deborah proved to be extremely smart. The next five years with Mary laid a foundation for Deborah that shaped her life forever. But at the age of 10, Deborah's life turned tragic again. In 1770, Mrs. Thatcher died. Deborah, at the age of 10, had no home. She was taken to a home of a man named Jeremiah Thomas, and there she became a servant. Jeremiah Thomas did not believe that women should receive an education, so Deborah was not allowed to have any books. But young 10-year-old Deborah knew that books were what she needed. So Deborah took books from the sons in the home, would read them, and then put them back on the shelf. So, at the age of 10, Deborah educated herself. By the age of 18, she had learned so much, she became a teacher, and she began to take care of herself by earning money. When she wasn't teaching, she would sell things she made. Deborah created spools and even a tool to crimp pies. She built milking stools, and she would sell them door to door. She was completely independent. When Deborah was 22 years old, the War of Independence broke out. Deborah believed a new country born out of freedom would give her even more independence. In keeping with her biblical name, Deborah decided to join the army. But only boys were accepted into the military. So Deborah bought some clothes, sewed men's clothing for herself, created documents that said her name was Timothy Thaver. However, she was caught. And because of what she did, her church kicked her out. But even that did not stop Deborah. She traveled to Boston, created new documents, this time calling herself Robert Shirtliff. This time she was not caught and she was able to join. Imagine with me it's July 3rd, 1782. You're in Terrytown, New York. Battle is raging around you. You see a soldier fall beside you. It's Robert Shirtliff. He's been shot in the leg twice. You can't leave him on the battlefield. So you grab him and begin pulling him back to the area where the injured are. But Robert keeps yelling at you to just leave him to die. You're not going to leave this young man to die in the battlefield. But it seems as though he's more afraid of the people who are taking care of the injured than he is of the battlefield. You leave him in the tent and walk outside. Then you hear something and turn to see Robert leaving the tent with a knife. You follow to see him pulling the bullets out of his own body with a knife. 
This man is insane. Deborah really did take the bullets out of her own leg with a knife in an attempt to keep her identity a secret. And it worked. People were in awe with her, still thinking she was a man. Because she could no longer run due to the injuries to her leg, she was assigned to help General John Patterson. She served him, making sure he had all he needed. In June 1783, the troops were sent to Philadelphia. During this time, the soldiers had not been paid, and many were even threatening to abandon the war or even turn and side with the British. We talked about this time in the war with our story of Haim Solomon. Are you enjoying this podcast? Do you want to support this podcast? Well, pour yourself a cup of coffee and imagine waking up each morning with a reminder from our church fathers. Check out our Etsy page where you can find mugs with quotes from great men and women of God. You'll find a link in the show notes. And now, back to our episode. In Philadelphia, Deborah became extremely ill. She was taken to the hospital, and that is where her true identity was discovered. The doctor, named Barnes Biney, realized that Robert was in fact a woman. But he decided to help keep her identity a secret. He snuck her out of the hospital and took her to his own home. Deborah lived with the family. The doctor's wife and daughter helped take care of her and nurse her back to health. Once she was better, she returned to General Patterson, but this time she did not hide her true identity. She assumed she would be punished, but General Patterson was extremely impressed with her. She had fought bravely and served him well. He gave her an honorable discharge. Now living in this new country of America, Deborah met a young man named Benjamin Gannett. The two were married, and Deborah gave birth to three children, Earl, Mary, and Patience. Reminded of the great care she received from the widow in her early years, Deborah wanted to do the same for another child. So the couple adopted a little girl named Sharon. Deborah and her husband Benjamin raised their children to love God and also to love learning. But they were not a wealthy family and they struggled financially. Although Deborah had fought in the war and had been injured, she had not received any pay. She allowed a writer named Herman Mann to write about her story, and she became a speaker, traveling and talking about her story. She traveled over a thousand miles, telling her story in an event called The American Heroine. Her speech was more like a show. She would end the show dressed as a soldier and perform an extremely complicated 27-step military drill. But the entire traveling and performances only paid her a total of $110. Paul Revere and her commander, General Patterson, worked hard to convince the government to pay her what was owed her. Eventually, the government agreed to give her disability pay, $96 a year, but she never received the payments for her time fighting. Deborah died at the age of 68. And that is our conclusion on the American Revolution. But we're going to look at something else. Starting next week, we're going to be comparing the French Revolution and the American Revolution. You see, the church was essential to both revolutions. In the American Revolution, the church was embraced. The citizens of the new country had been part of the Great Awakening. The French Revolution, however, was a rejection of the church. And the church they were rejecting was extremely corrupted. 
So what difference did that make? The embracing of the church and the rejection of the church. To hear more, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss that episode. Also, check out my website for more blogs, a lot more podcasts, and even videos, lauraleesiemens.com. I'll see you next week.